We're in our 13th week in a series that we've called Kingdom Manifesto. We don't use that word very often, manifesto, but let's just say it's a statement that is powerful and that has much gravity to it. And Jesus was bringing it to us on the Sermon on the Mounts. Now, you know, when I was in the sixth grade, I came out of a religious school for several years, and, and then I was introduced into the public school system, and I found myself with a group of friends that I fell into that weren't exactly the best reputation and influence. And I remember one day about middle of the year, my teacher's name was Miss Blake, but then at midterm she got married, and she became Mrs. Thompson. That's very, uh, you know, that's very dramatic for a school kid. You, you, you know them half the year and then like a different person. And I remember one day we were leaving class, school was out, and we were walking out, and she called me to her desk. And this is what she said. She said, you're not like them. And that was over 58 years ago, and I still remember that day. And in essence, that's what Jesus is saying to the people especially his disciples on the mount when he gave this message. Basically, what he was saying is, you're not like them. As a matter of fact, Jesus, the Father, has always told the people of God, you're not like them. He said, go into the promised land and subdue it, take it, and don't be like them. Don't do what they do. Don't serve who they serve. Don't be like them. And that's exactly what Jesus is telling you today in the Wiggins campus in 2022. He's not speaking to anybody else anywhere but in this room. And he's saying, don't be like them. And in this 12 weeks, now 13th week, we've been confronted with a lot of different things. We've been confronted. We've been comforted. We've been convicted. We've been instructed. There's been, we've been encouraged. At least I hope you have been. If you're in the loop of what's going on, somewhere or another, God has touched you in these weeks. We've learned about two masters, money or God. We've learned about treasures in heaven or on earth. We learned about two roads, two gates, a narrow gate, a wide gate. I mean, we saw the comparison of so many different things. We've been taught about lust and divorce. We've been taught about love and hate. We've been talking about prayer and fasting and many other things. And Jesus is teaching us a standard. You know, he was talking to a lot of different people on the mount, but that was long ago. That's in the past. Jesus is not talking to them now. Now Jesus is talking to you. He's not talking to anybody else. He's talking to you. He's not talking to us. He's talking to you. It's so important that you understand that Jesus speaks to you. Because if, we, if he speaks to us just in a group, you know how that is. When the coach is talking to the team and saying, we got to get in there, we got to work, we got to go. You know, really what he's talking about is those that are lazy and not doing their job. He's not talking to the guy that's already got 100 yards in the first quarter. So now you know what Jesus is going to do? He's going to conclude his message today about what it means to be a disciple. What it really means to be a disciple. You know, as I'm getting older, I'm realizing that this thing is dead serious. 
I mean, there's a lot of joy involved. There's a lot of fun. There's a lot of laughter. There's a lot of great things. But, but this is dead serious. This is eternity. This is Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. This, this, God incarnate who's now speaking to us, speaking to you today. He's talking to us. And I know one thing about Jesus. He never mixed words. We know that. But he never wasted words. He's a good steward of what he says. And so we're going to talk today about a heart of security. And we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. And we're just going to read the scriptures here. I want you to picture Jesus standing up here right now. And this is what Jesus is telling you. Everyone then, and what he's saying is that after everything I've said in all these verses, well, there weren't any verses then, but, you know, it was just words. But everything I've told you as we've, we've spent our time together here, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise or we could say a thoughtful and intelligent, a, a cautious man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall. And why? Because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish, a heedless, blockhead, absurd, dull, or stupid person or man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Jesus contrasting two different types of people, two different types of hearer. All hear, but not all do. He gives a choice. You see, Jesus always gives a choice. That's what I love about Jesus. He doesn't coerce you. He doesn't guilt you into doing something. He doesn't make you do anything, force you into it, bring calamity to you so that you'll do it. He's looking for a disciple who will from their heart do what he says. And that's what he's saying here. It's always a choice with Jesus. That's what I love about it. It's always a choice. As a matter of fact, God has always given his people choices. He gave Adam and Eve the choice of the tree of good and, and knowledge, you know, good and evil. And, and, and then he gave them the choice of the tree of life, and they chose what they wanted. You know, it's amazing. In Deuteronomy, he says, today I'm setting before you life and death, blessings and curses, and you choose. It's like God saying, here you go. Now you choose which one you want because you always choose what you want, right? James says, a choice. If you lack wisdom, you've got a choice. You can ask God or you can go in your own wisdom. Isn't that right? Oh, it's right. Yes, it's right. Proverbs says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. There's a choice. You can do it on your own way, or you can listen to wise counsel from people, wise men. It's a choice. It's always a choice. When you hear the word of Jesus, it brings this thing that we sometimes embrace, but many times you shun. And it's that thing 
called responsibility. I don't like responsibility. How about you? That's what I love about being a kid. Didn't have much responsibility. Six years old, running in the woods, playing barefoot, no shirt, short pants all day long. No responsibility. But then as you got older, responsibility began to come in. You know what I'm saying? And so God gives choices and all kinds of things happen. You know, one day God met a man named Abraham and he said, Abraham, I want to make you a great nation. So I want you to leave where you're living. And I'm going to take you on a journey. And so he took Abraham on a journey. And if you know your Bible, you know that Abraham, God used him to build a great nation. And then that nation was found in bondage in Egypt, if you remember. And then God sent a man named Moses, and there was great miracles and judgment against Egypt. And the people of God came out of, out of Egypt, which was an impossibility, which was supernaturally done. Walked through the Red Sea. It parted miraculously. Wow. And, and then they, they, did, they did a bunch of foolish things. They chose a bunch of wrong choices. And God said, now you have to walk around in the wilderness for 40 years. And they did that. And Moses couldn't take them in because the people got him so upset he did something that displeased God. And, and wow, I wish if I'd have been God, I'd have blamed those people. But God said, no, Moses, you did it. You hit the rock. You did this. So you can't go in. Come see, I'm going to let you look at it but I'm going to let somebody else take him in. So he used a young man by the name of Joshua, and Joshua ended up taking the people of God into the promised land. I mean, the, the Red Sea parted for Moses, and the Jordan River parted for Joshua. They took kingdom after kingdom. Joshua led them, and they conquered 31 kings. Just a tremendous victory, right? And then we see Joshua as an older man. Some of the last things he says, we want to read it in Joshua chapter 24, and he says this. After he has conquered 31 kings, and they have seen miracles after miracles, the man of God has got to stand up in front of the people of God. After all of this, and he has to say this to them. If it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord. Wow. That's all of that. If it's evil in, in, in your eyes to serve the Lord, what did he say? Say the word out loud. What's the next word? Choose. Choose. Choose this day. Now, you choose right now. No, no, don't, don't, don't go home and, and talk about it. No, choose right now who you're going to serve. Whether the gods of your father served, whether they served beyond the, the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose lands you dwell right now. But as far as me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We've got a plaque on our wall. It's, it's, it's found its place all over many of all of the homes we've lived in for 42 years. This verse right here. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Right now it's in our spare bathroom. <laughs> it found it way there, you know. The first one we bought was from Home Interior Decorating. Some of you older folks will remember all those weird things we bought. But it was there. We still have that plaque, matter of fact. Why? Why do we have that plaque? We have that plaque because it doesn't matter what happens. Me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. It doesn't matter what culture does. Me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. It doesn't matter what the government says. Me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. It doesn't matter at all what the Supreme Court decides or doesn't decide. As far as me and my house, we're going to serve 
the Lord, the Lord of the Bible. That's who we're going to serve. That's the choice. Doesn't matter what my family says, the extended family, what they think, what they thought, what their opinions are, how they look at us, what they feel about us. It's all irrelevant because as far as we're concerned, me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. Now, when we were young, it was me and my house. It was me and Jan and our three kids. And all our three kids have launched out serving the Lord, part of our house. But now it's just me and Jan. Guess what we're going to do as we get old? We're going to serve the Lord. As far as me and Jan, we're going to serve the Lord. Isn't that right? You know, some people, maybe in this room, some of you, want to recuse themselves from responsibility to make the choice. Not understanding that recusing yourself is actually a choice. In other words, no one can finagle their way, squirm their way, talk their way out of, reason their way out of choice. Jesus tells us to be hearers and doers. It's so plain. And then I wonder why there's so many people who are just hearers and not doers. I struggle with that for many, many years now. As I've stood in front of people for so many years in small groups and large groups, sometimes one-on-one, and I've just struggled with, do people really hear? Are you hearing today? James 1, chapter 20, chapter 1, verse 22 says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving or fooling yourself. Jesus was right up there with, with James. They're like close, you know what I mean? And he said the same thing Jesus was saying. Evidently, he heard Jesus saying that many times. Don't be just a hearer of the word, but be a doer. Because if you hear the word, listen to me, there's such a, such a heavy responsibility that comes today as you sit, as Jesus is teaching us. A great weight of responsibility. And James says, if you, if you just hear, but you don't do, oh my, guess what? You're deceiving your own self. You don't even have to be deceived by the devil, by the enemy, by other people, by false teachers. You actually do it to yourself. You deceive yourself. It's like having a mirror. Come on now. It's like having a mirror and looking at it and saying, wow, and then turning around and no longer looking at it. You know, in our bedroom on Jan's makeup table, she's got a mirror. One side, you look at it, you look pretty good. But when you flip it, my goodness, it's just so horrible. And then when you turn that little light on and turn it to daylight, oh, my goodness. That's what the Word of God does, by the way. It just does that. It just magnifies everything about me, good and not so good. You see, hearing the Word demands action. It demands response. Hearing always brings responsibility. And what Jesus is simply saying to us is that if you hear His words and you obey them, that you are a wise person. Sometimes, sometimes we say, well, how do I know if I'm wise or not? If you hear the Word and you do it, you're wise. And if you hear the Word and don't do it, you are unwise 
are foolish. Now, Jesus, in these verses, he's warning us that storms will test the foundation. Because we are talking about foundation here. Foundation of security, a foundation of stability. And he says that storms will come and they will test the foundation. I like what Corey Tim Boone said. She's a great preacher lady. She said, in order to realize the worth of the anchor, we need to feel the stress of the storm. Now, I don't like storms. I don't like hurricanes. Everybody's reminding us that June 1st is the beginning of hurricane season, and we don't like hurricanes. You know I don't like hurricanes. You don't either. I don't like any kind of storms in my life. I don't like any kind of negativity. I want everything positive, don't you? But the only way that our foundation will ever be tested is if that the winds blow and the rains fly. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 25 says, When the tempest or the whirlwind or the overflowing rain passes, the wicked is no more, but the righteous is established forever. What Jesus is talking about here in this foundation is not just some foundation that we will have a good life here and get the victory here and now. He's talking much more about eternity, the completeness of everything that he's done, the resurrection of the dead and eternal life forever. It's a big deal. It's strong. It's a secure foundation forever. And when things shift, they test the foundation of our lives. Now, listen, folks, culture is shifting. I don't know if it's, you feel it in Wiggins yet or in Corns. I don't know if you feel it in Gum Pound yet or Gum Pond yet around up in those areas, down 20s. I don't know if you feel it, but things have shifted and culture is getting very strange. Family sometimes shifts. Our health will shift. Our situations, there will be tragedy that will come. There's all kinds of outside wind and rain that flies and flows. But there's also inner battles, inner storms that will plague us, that will press against the foundation of our life in Christ. They will come, and there's nothing you can do about them. I know you want to pray them away. Don't we always want to pray them away? Blame the devil. Pray away the storm to somebody else. Lord, move that hurricane over to Florida and bust them up real good. But yet they're praying in Florida to move it to Mississippi. And God's up there saying, I just don't know what to do. I did set the weather patterns in, in place when I created the whole universe. They built their house next to the shore. Too bad. Like one man told me one time, he said, Jan, I went in a restaurant in Tennessee, and the, the Tennessee River just flooded everybody. He said, you know, he was a Cajun boy. He said, you know, if you live by the river, you're going to flood. I was reading an article this week about college students. I know we're, you know, our seniors are graduating. Might have some seniors up in here or people that have uh, been graduated for a year or two. Maybe you're a junior. You're moving forward, and it's wonderful. And, oh, the cap and gown is great. Throw the hat up, and everything's great. And then the next day, you got to figure out what to do with the rest of your life. But anyway, this particular survey stated that one half, one half of all Christian Young people who enter university leave the faith within the first year. 
Now, why is that? It can only be because they do not have a firm foundation. Okay? Let's not blame the culture. You see, because this is what happens. We raise our kids up right. We really do. We should. We want to. We do. And we shelter them for a great degree. We should. They need to be sheltered. They're kids. And their belief system and how they live and the culture of their home and their church is embraced by the majority. They are the majority. If you're in this church, you're in the majority. It's a great place. We love Jesus. We teach the Word of God. We, we worship. We pray. We're in small groups. We edify. We do all these things. And then they graduate from high school, and within a month or two or three, they find themselves off somewhere 100 miles or 200 miles or 1,000 miles in a dormitory room with somebody who, is, who, who has not that upbringing. And then they find out that they are no longer the majority, but they are now the minority. And just the very living in that culture as a minority, if there's not a strong foundation the winds of culture and temptation and pain and rejection and wanting to be accepted crash against their house and it falls. And it can be that way for adults also. It can be that way for adults also. You know, we always work at minimizing the pain in our life and maximizing maximizing the, the comfort. We do that. We, we really do. We, we wrote it down right here. We work to build a life that minimizes pain and maximizes comfort. But to do that without Christ is faulty. To do that without the foundation of Christ is faulty. That's our downfall. The goal is to build a life of stability, a life of security, and security starts with a proper foundation. So Jesus just talked about a sandy foundation and a rock. And I'm sure if you're tracking with this, you're wondering, well, all right, well, tell us what a sandy foundation looks like. Of course, in, in construction, you know quite well that if you build, try to pour a slab on a sand bed, eventually you're going to have, and it looks good for a while. The whole house is up there. And then one day you wake up and you see a, a crack of the sheetrock on top of the kitchen door. And you want to blame the sheetrock hangers. But the next thing you know, the door sticks at the bottom. And then you're going to blame the finished carpenter. And then eventually, the brick cracks on the outside, and it's the bricklayer fault. But eventually, you find out that the foundation is cracked because it was built on sand. Now, what does a building a life on sand look like? I mean, really, what, is it, what does it look like? You know, in the, in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, it gives a list of things. You've heard us teach on this many times, and the reason we do is because it's so prevalent in our life. And it gives a list. I'm going to read them off real quick because they're nasty. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, and orgies. Now, not everyone in this room is involved in all of these things. And I would hope that there is no one in this room that has all of this operating in their life at one time. But these things operate. 
And then what we do, we look at this, we read this, and we say, well, I'm not that bad. I'm, I'm, I, I'm not this. We, we pick out the things that we are not. I'm not only this. I don't do that. I didn't. And we, some another, we embrace a certain amount of goodness for us, about us, that makes us feel good. Not necessarily godly. And when we get involved in this, it causes you to question the foundation then, is it good? Because I will tell you this right now, that anything that is worth anything is worth testing and examining and questioning. You should test and examine and question things to see if you got the goods. Your marriage, you should test it and question it to see if it's strong. Your finances, all these things, your walk with God. Because only being good will miss God. They've got a lot of good people that are not godly. But all the godly people should be good. These faulty foundations, being good. Another faulty foundation, a sand foundation, is converted to a cool church, but not converted to a crucified Christ. I'll make a statement to you. Come in the church just ain't going to cut it with Jesus. Sorry. Being converted by faith in Jesus Christ, resulting in a committed, surrendered life. You know, emotions are a faulty foundation. My goodness, they're, they're up and down all over. Just yesterday, something happened to me yesterday. Really got me sideways. Jan could testify better than me. I'm embarrassed to talk about it, but it was just me and her and uh, the Lord in the car, and nobody else knows, and you'll never know. But anyway, my emotions just went, <laughs> faulty foundation. I can't trust my emotions to, to, to put my entire eternity on Thoughts, oh, let's talk about that. Thoughts are a faulty foundation. My mind, because they are swayed by information. We, were, we, we got some information on the way over here. Jan said, I'm not going to let that get in my mind just right now. I want to get all of the facts before I make a choice there. And I thought that was wise. And we agreed together and got the victory right there in the car. Because your thoughts are swayed by information. Even the Bible tells us that, that one person comes to you and gives, oh, uh, boy, did you know this? Let me tell you what happened here. And, and you're like, I can't believe that. Whoa. And then another person comes and says, wait a minute. Let, let me tell you the other side of the story. And then all of a sudden you feel like a fool because you believe that. And, this is, and then, then you don't know what to believe. The mind, that's why it has to be washed by the Word of God and has to be trained in the things of God to receive the mind of Christ. And then there's this will. This will is a faulty foundation. Oh, my goodness. The reason the will is such a faulty foundation is because it always is selfish and it always is self-centered. And so what does that bring us to? That brings us to the only foundation that's worth anything is Jesus Christ. Everything else is sinking sand. So the question here is, what does building life on a rock look like? Well, this is what it looks like. First of all, rock, the rock. 
You know, one day Jesus was talking to his inner circle of guys, his disciples, the close ones, and he said, hey, what are people saying about me out there? What's the word out on the street? And they said, well, some people say you're John the Baptist come from the dead. Some people say you're Elijah or another prophet. Some people say all kind of things. And Jesus, as normal, was not interested in what they said, but he turned to his inner circle and to Peter especially, and he said, Peter, but exactly who do you say I am? What, what, what do you have on this thing of me? And Jesus said, you are the son of the living God. You're the one, the Messiah. You're him. And Jesus said, you know what? Upon this rock, the rock of the revelation that I'm the son of the living God, I will build my church. I will build my church upon the rock, the rock of revelation. You see, flesh and blood cannot receive revelation. Your mind cannot receive revelation, not true revelation. Your intellect, as smart as you may be, will not give you a word from God. It is revealed to you by God. The only thing you ever get from God ever in your whole life and eternity is revealed to you from God. And he reveals himself to those who seek him or to those he know that if he'll just touch them, they'll seek him. But if you're not interested in God, very little revelation. If you're not asking, seeking, and knocking, like we were taught a couple of weeks ago. If you're not asking and seeking and knocking, hmm, I'm not sure there's going to be a lot of revelation. But I will tell you this right now. You seek after God and see what happens. You get serious about God. See, he'll give you revelation. And by the way, can I tell you something? He's not interested in giving you the latest revelation from the latest preacher. He's interested in giving you a revelation about your life, whatever that might be. He's God. If he wants to correct you, well, bah. If he wants to comfort you, oh. If he wants to fill you with joy, yes. He does what he wants. You seek him. And when you find him, he will always give you what you truly, truly need. Now, the Sermon on the Mount, you say, what, what is this thing? This is rock. What's going to give me this stable foundation? You've been taught it for the last 12 weeks. 12 weeks. Can I recap it for you in just a moment? You ready? We did it, and we entitled this thing Heart of, Heart for, Heart to, because everything does, everything has to do with your heart. Everything has to do with your heart. Jesus is after your heart. He gets your heart, he'll get your head, he'll get your body, he'll get your money, he'll get your, your future, he'll get your dreams if he gets your heart. And if he doesn't get your heart, he gets nothing. Watch this. Heart for God, heart for people, heart of love, heart of faithfulness, heart of integrity, heart of generosity, heart of, heart of prayer, heart of devotion, heart of trust, heart of humility, heart of dependence, heart of truth, and last week, heart of relationships, and today, heart of stability. This is the rock right here. Jesus is the rock. You say, how is that? He's the rock of your marriage, folks. Listen to me. He's, he's the rock of your marriage because uh, the, the, the wife is to submit to her husband as she does to the Lord, to the rock, and the, the, the husband is to love his wife as the rock Christ loves the church. You say, well, what, what about my kids? What, what's that? What's the, what's the foundation for my kids? The foundation of the kids are very, very simple. Fathers, provo don't, don't provoke your, your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And for you young people, you wonder, what's the big deal about a great foundation with my parents? It is to honor your mother and father because with it comes the blessing of a long life. 
Mm. Foundation for finances are very simple. He said, lay up treasures in heaven and stop, stop laying it up on earth because it can go just like that. We lost 8%, 8.3% of our money just like that. Just like that. We're doing fine. We're not doing fine. Foundation for everything. You know the foundation for everything in your life and everything, everything, everywhere? It's very simple. Do everything as unto the rock, the Lord. Build your house on the Lord. I want to close with this, Psalm 19. Just a wonderful piece of Scripture. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. Yes, fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and dripping of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned in keeping them there is great reward there are no more snappy sayings cool statements to build our life on there is absolutely one foundation for all of humanity and that is the foundation of Jesus First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. You know what we have to offer you? As people who have been called by God to stand in front of God's people, and to speak his word, which is such a deep and awesome responsibility, a weighty responsibility. We don't offer you what the world offers you. You can get that from books and websites and things. We offer you what the world does not have. And that is Jesus Christ as a foundation of your life. And then you will begin to build on that foundation.